You are now listening to Portionality Podcast, a podcast dedicated to faith, culture, and that roller coaster we like to call adulting. I am your host, Portia D. Hey, Saints, welcome back to the Portionality Podcast, a podcast for faith, culture, and adulting. And I'm so glad that you're back here with me on today. And today I'm mainly focusing on the culture. And so I hope everybody got a chance to see the Golden Globes. If you didn't see it, that's all right. I'm pretty sure you heard about it. People are tweeting about it, Facebooking about it, Instagramming about it. And so um, I watched on Sunday as I turned on my antenna <laughs> with a glass of sparkling water, right? And so, you know, yes, I have an antenna. Don't judge me. I don't have cable because I'm still trying to adult and get this thing right. So, yes, I use my antenna. Um, that gives me 60 free channels, you know, because I'm real close to Empire State Building, living in New Jersey. So, you know, there's all that good stuff. But in any case, Golden Globe Award took place in Los Angeles, California on January 7th, 2018 at 8 p.m. on NBC with Seth Meyers as the host. I think he did solid. You know, white male nailed it. I didn't think he was offensive or out of order. He was very relevant. He had all the jokes. And, um, you know, especially during this season with the whole Harvey Weinstein situations, um, which we're going to kind of get into. So, I think he was really, really good. And so I I appreciated his opening monologue. And so we saw on the red carpet all these women and men dressed in black. And some folks were like, well, what's what's with that? You know, what's with all this black? You know, why is everybody wearing black? And so, yes, there was some pops of color here and there by some folks who didn't get the memo or, you know, chores to ignore it for whatever have you. But overall, 98% of all the attendees were in black. And so basically they were in black because they were declaring that time is up. The Time is Up campaign launched earlier this year as an action plan to end sexual harassment, sexual assault, and gender inequality in the workplace. And so you can go to timesupnow.com for more information regarding the plan and the resources and Honestly, it was a joy to see the women and the men coming together across the Hollywood industry to say that the time is up on this mess. You know, the time is up. And I wonder sometimes, you know, what would it look like if other industries declared the same thing? You know, I think that it's a prophetic move as these women are speaking truth to power. You know, the Me Too movement is real. It's not a moment. It's a movement and the time is up. And I think it's very, very important to notice that the prophetic voice is emerging out of Hollywood as opposed to other spaces and institutions that we would assume would take on the helm. And, you know, I got to give it up to the college students on college campuses who are speaking up and speaking out. And honestly, as a preacher, as a pastor, I'm waiting on a move from the church and we need to speak up and the truth to power on this issue too. We speak truth to power when it comes to race. We speak truth to power when it comes to economic disparities. We speak truth to power when it comes to children and education. And we want to preach, you know, to we're blue in the face about, you know, sin and salvation. But what about gender equalities and sexual harassment in the workplace? 
Um, I've heard story after story about women and men being sexually assaulted from the pew all the way up to the pew pit, to pulpit. And what about, you know, equal paying and churches aren't paying women pastors the same as male pastors and would rather give a job to a mediocre male before giving it to a qualified woman. And I also think that it's time for the church to say that the time is up and we need to ordain more women, give more women pulpits and pay women what's due. And I think that we need to consider the ordination of LGBTQ persons as well. But folks still struggling to see whether or not this is sin. But, you know, that's another question for another day. But I'm just really saying that the church needs to develop a sexual and gender ethic that liberates and not oppresses women and queer persons. And the time is up on old fashioned thinking and incorrect, you know, out of context readings of the text. And I can go really on and on and on about these things that, you know, that that are really up for the church. But I'm going to move along with the rest of my thoughts because I, you know came here to talk about the Golden Globes. But, you know, if you just actually, if you just like bear with me for a second, like I think about Jesus, right? Writing in the dirt, right? John chapter eight, when the men were ready to stone that woman caught in adultery, you know what I'm saying? You know, they see, you see, they really tried to bully her and harass her because they too were busy trying to catch her in the act of adultery, knowing good and well that she did not have the power to speak for herself. And I'm sick and tired of men using their power to silence women and putting them in situations where they can't fit for themselves I still can't tell you right what Jesus wrote in that grass or what he wrote in the dirt or in the sand but if I took a guess you know I'm gonna say that he's writing the time is up why because stones began to fall and the men began to back away knowing that they could not condemn this woman no matter how hard they tried to silence her and embarrass her Jesus tells her that she's not condemned and she is to be free from her life of sin now before we try to call her a sinner oh because she was caught in adultery but everyone is a sinner at this point because Jesus has yet to die so therefore Jesus to pardon her Jesus pardons her life before she ever encountered you know him is major and he frees her from a sinful life and never mentions what the sins of her life are we just assume that her sins are you know being in adultery because these men threw her at the feet of Jesus and we assume that she was actually caught in adultery because these Pharisees brought her to him but the text also says that it was a trap not just a trap for the women but it was a trap for Jesus so they could have foundation for arresting him to crucify him they were purposely trying to criminalize Jesus in this moment and did it at the expense of a woman's life and so I just think that the time is up for so many men of using women and you know trying to get their power and doing whatever you know their careers or whatever advancements at the at the at at the stake of women, you know, at the stake of women. And so I don't think that it's fair. Um, you know, it's not right. And I came here to talk about the, the Golden Globes today and declare the time is up and that Bible study, we can pick this up at another time. And so if you ever want to engage in Bible study, send me a topics and I'll engage them. And I do think that we, the church need to declare that Jesus is saying that the time is up and the Bible and the church it, and, and we need to come together and we need to bear witness that sexual harassment and sexual assault is happening in these churches and we need it to end.
Um, but as for some good news, it was nice to see all the black girl magic on the carpet. And I know I'm going to end up leaving somebody out, but I just want to mention that some of these goddesses like Lena Waithe and Yvonne Orgy and Tracy Ellis Ross and this goddess head wrap and Tarana Burke was the date of Michelle Williams, the actress, not Destiny's Child. Issa Rae was looking like a dream with her glowing skin. That's why she's a cover girl. Naomi Campbell was there. Um, Susan Kaleshi Watson was there. Zoe Kravis was there. Mary J. Blige. You know, give it up to her. Mariah Carey was there. Kerry Washington, Octavia Spencer, Samaria Wiley, Ava DuVernay, Gail King, and oh my goodness, Viola Davis looking like the queen with all of this Afro for days. She was serving us all. So let's just give a moment and pause for Viola Davis. I mean, she was so beautiful. She is a beauty. And I remember when they really tried it and tried to say that she's not traditionally or classically beautiful. And we all know that that level of beauty that Viola Davis is working, you can't buy that even if you want it to, okay? And of course, of course, of course, how could we not mention the godmother, Oprah Winfrey? Oprah, y'all, if anybody knows me knows I am an Oprah enthusiast, okay? I love Oprah, so... Oh my God. Not to mention that she was my commencement speaker at Spelman College in 2012. But Oprah last night, um, well, you know, Sunday night, she was honored for her work and contributions to entertainment. And she was the recipient of the Cecil B. DeMille Award. And she is the first African-American woman to ever hold this honor. And she gave us a speech that was really a word, right? So some of the highlights um, from Oprah as she began um Actually, some of the moments of Oprah really began before her speech. And so if we look at Oprah's social media, she was getting ready for the Golden Globes, talking about hair color is the greatest invention, beauty product of all time. And so she was getting her hair colored and her her hair was blessed and it was laid and her edges were fully grown and her waist was snatched. She was looking amazing. And I really loved on social media, even before we got to the show, she and Gail were getting ready and she told Gail that she looks amazing but she seriously needs to consider putting some lotion on them elbows and I hollered she was like um can somebody get Gail some cream and literally called her elbows and I quote little ash Wednesday <laughs> little ash Wednesday now that y'all is a real friend a real friend will tell you when you're ashy when you got lipstick on your teeth when you got a tag sitting up a button popped off your shirt and will make sure you have a solution so shout out to all the sisters who are keepers out here in these streets because, you know, sisterhood is real. Sisterhood is so real and it's alive and it's well. And that moment on social media where Oprah posted that and just told Gail to get some lotion, um, you know, that was real. And so... um but back to the show, Oprah in this speech, y'all, um, she gave us so many gems. Like first, she acknowledged her win as something that was more than just a win for her. Like she honored the elders. She honored Sidney Poitier, right? And um, she stated how people in her life who've taken chances at the beginning of her career were there for her. And, you know, people really took risks for her to be in Baltimore and then from Quincy Jones 
and Steven Spielberg and the color purple. And she also thanks Stedman, who's a love of her life. And then, you know, Gail and her friendship with Gail that has lasted for decades. And so she took a moment to just thank those people in her life who were just like monumental. And it's always essential to thank those people who are our village. And so I think that's important for us to note is that we need to always remember and thank our village. And she also acknowledged the future as all of the little girls who would see her win, that their lives would be forever changed as she is the first black woman to receive this honor. And she also noted the power of the press, which I think she dropped the gem for all of us when she said, what I know for sure. And everybody know who knows Oprah. Always going to say what she know for sure. So Oprah said, what I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. That was a word. Mm-hmm. So speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. And so she didn't just use this moment you know, for herself alone. I mentioned how she talked about her elders, how she thanks her peers and how she acknowledged the little girls of the future. But she also gave homage to an ancestor. And she talked about Reese Taylor, who we just recently lost um, a few days ago, just shy of her 98th birthday. And so Oprah talks about the story of Reese Taylor. And she quotes, in 1944, Reese Taylor was a young wife, mother, 24 years old. She was a sharecropper walking home from a church service she attended in Abbeville, Alabama, when she was abducted by seven armed white men with shotguns, rifles, and knives, picked her up in a green Chevrolet, raped her, and blindfolded her by the side of the road for dead when she was simply coming home from church. They threatened to kill her if she told anyone, but her story was reported to the NAACP where a young worker by the name of Rosa Parks became the lead investigator on her case and together they sought justice. And so I first read the story of Reese Taylor when I was at Spelman College Shout out to Spelman College, you know, the birthplace of Black Girl Magic. Um, and it was in a book by historian and professor Dr. Daniel McGuire in a book entitled At the Dark End of the Street. And so I'm going to post a link to that book for your purchase on Amazon. If you go to my website, you can get that book if you so desire I encourage everybody to read it and so because this book really changed my life as I learned that Rosa Parks was not just some woman who was tired and decided not to get up from her seat no Rosa Parks was actually an activist long before that moment where we encounter her not getting up from the seat and McGuire gives Rosa and Reese their humanity and their dignity that the papers refused to acknowledge right the newspapers of the day she gave them their dignity and this partnership between these women was the birth of the civil rights movement. Now, this is something that they don't teach you, right? That the birth of the civil rights movement was by black women who were protesting and investigating rape cases of black women by black men. And so McGuire goes on to say how the Montgomery bus boycott of 1955 was the baptism, not the birth of the civil rights movement. And they, the women understood that they needed a a young black man, a preacher who was respectable, but still progressive to move their agenda. And Martin Luther King was then invited to be the face of the movement to help move this agenda. But the black women are the ones who organize this movement, if not for the women. Let's remember that. 
And so as far as Oprah Winfrey's win, it was more than just a golden moment for the world to see, but it was also a showcase of how black women have always been present at the scene, even if we don't always get the credit. We've been pushed to the side long enough. We're not your mammies. We're not your pickaninny children. We are women and time is up. And so let's be clear, while there are people who want Oprah to run for president after her amazing speech, let me say this. I don't want Oprah to run for president, not because I don't think she can do it, not because I don't think she could win, but honestly, I don't want her to. I want Oprah to live her best life that she has built from herself, that she built for herself, right? From being a poor girl in the South to a woman who was one of the most richest people in the world. I want Oprah to live her best life as a businesswoman, as an actress, as a humanitarian, and the godmother to black women. I want y'all to let her be. You know, she didn't do all this work. She didn't work this hard to be the mammy of America for everybody to be running her ragged and toss their messes onto her lap. No, we're not going to do that to Oprah or to any black woman. Yes, I want to see a black woman president like the rest of us, but trust and believe. I don't want to see her coming behind what will possibly be the biggest mess in American history due to president number 45. Okay, that's my rant, you know. But anyway, speaking of messes in American history, while I'm actually on this rant, because last night I was actually really disturbed by something. What we're not going to do, right? What we're not going to do is celebrate the lie of this quote unquote greatest showman known as Phineas Taylor Barnum, better known as P.T. Barnum, the the founder of Barnum and Bailey Circus. So let me tell you, this is something we're not going to do. We're not going to be celebrating like, you know, he was the greatest of all time no pt barnum is not the goat now yes this movie i don't know if you heard this movie or not but this movie the greatest showman stars hugh jackman zach efron and zendaya and it won for like best score or something like that like but any case um you know zendaya is our girl so i do want to say you know we got love for zendaya We, we love you girl um but as a resident of Bridgeport, Connecticut, as someone who was birthed in the hospital founded by P.T. Barnum, might I add, um, this film does not tell the entire tale of this man. So yes, we want to give this holiday fun movie with music and, and dancing and colors and all that, but this film... You know, it does inspire people to live out their dreams to the fullest, but they don't go into the full backstory of how he made his dreams come true. You know, he made his dreams come true at the expense of other people. So for one, P.T. Barnum, he did serve as the mayor of Bridgeport, my hometown, which was corrupt under his leadership. And I can clearly say that that hasn't changed much. But anyway, he was a con man and a schemer. He was a performer long before the circus and he would perform in blackface and minstrel shows and make fun of black people. He exploited a black slave woman under the name of Joyce Heth and he paraded her around under the lie that she was the mammy of George Washington. He would sell tickets and charge people to see her as he advertised that she was 161 years old. Like who does that? Not to mention you know, Sister Joyce was paralyzed and was unable to walk, okay? So she was paralyzed, and she was a slave woman, and she was a black woman. And P.T. Barnum made his coins even to the point of her death where he charged people to see her body undergo a public autopsy. 
Who charges admission for an autopsy? Black bodies, dead black bodies have been on display and black women have been exploited and forced to perform, putting their bodies on the line for years. And quite frankly, I'm tired of seeing black women's bodies and black male bodies being put on the line for white America to benefit. And so... I'm just, I'm just really, really, you know, annoyed by that. And so I just, I mean, and even like today, like we saw that H&M advertisement, you know, speaking of black bodies and monkeys and circuses and buffoonery, you know, we also see that we cannot tolerate that lame apology from H&M. I mean, I get H&M is an international brand housed in Sweden with cultural disconnects. And this is an opportunity, you know, for us to teach Europeans that don't know anything about American slavery, about what their British, Dutch and Portuguese, Portuguese cousins, you know, from the beginning of time were doing to black bodies. Okay. You know, I get this is a teaching moment. You know, we can be the ones who set the standard for change in the culture for media and marketing, but this also tells me that we need more of black Americans in marketing to take some of these international jobs and to do the education process. We need more diversity in these spaces, but also I just want to know where are this boy's parents? You know, who's his agent? Who was the casting director? Who was the photographer? You know, somebody who was not accountable. You know, there was a lack of accountability on this on so many ends. This child is not a monkey, you know, in anybody's jungle. He is a beautiful black boy and he needs someone to do him right. You know, he, he we should have done better by him. He needed someone to be accountable. And the story just disgusts me like for real. And as a future black mother, as a youth pastor, as a consumer of H&M, I'm just disappointed. And at this point, there literally is no excuse for missing the mark anymore. Like the bottom line is that folks don't know what to do about this work in media and advertising, and that has to change. We're tired of the excuses and the fake apologies just to save face and like H&M ain't even all that bomb anymore for us, you know, and as we seek to adult and buy clothes, we need to buy clothes of quality that will sustain us and not just be cute for two summers and then it begins to fall apart. But in any case, I digress. All the more reasons for us to buy black and support black owned businesses. But anyway, finally, as a point of celebration, we have got a big win for Sterling K. Brown, who plays Randall Pearson on This Is Us. And This Is Us is one of the best shows on broadcast television. And Sterling mentioned how he's grateful for his role as Randall, you know, which was specifically written for a black man. And sometimes Hollywood roles aren't necessarily written for black people, but they just cast black people for the role just to say they got a black person. And Sterling was so grateful that he was able to deliver a character who is authentically black. Okay, authentically a black man with a black wife who loves his black wife um who has black children and it's beautiful to see and sterling is the first black man to ever win this leading performance in a drama and so yeah you know we did have some upsets get out didn't win Issa didn't win denzel didn't win but we most certainly had a lot to celebrate on yesterday um on that evening as we celebrated the craft of sterling k brown as we celebrate the accomplishments of oprah and truth be told when they win we all win like when one black person wins we all win 
And so that's all I got for today. And I would hope that you would comment, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is available on my website, portionality.com, as well as SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And for resources and book titles and anything that's mentioned on this podcast as a resource or a song that I might mention, like I did on my introduction episode with Finesse, and I also mentioned some other songs and artists as well, you can head over to the website under Reads and Sounds where I give the links and a playlist where you can find those resources and you can hear some of them songs that I mention it. Um, as always, if you have questions or comments or topics that you want to hear me engage or um, Bible topics or, you know, just anything, feel free to shoot me an email at portionality at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me on another episode of Portionality Podcast. Can't wait to hear from you when you email me directly at portionality at gmail.com with your topics and with your listener questions. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Portionality. And as always, peace, light, and love, and namaste to you.